Before we get to today's episode, I want to ask you guys for a big favor. Go ahead and follow or subscribe and leave a rating or review on this podcast. It goes a long way. It helps people find the show and it lets us know that we're doing something right. Okay, on to today's episode. I'm going to give you seven numbers that you need to know as an entrepreneur. And the good news is that a lot of these numbers build on themselves. So as you start to understand them, the later numbers will make even more sense. They almost get fancier and more complex, but the foundation stays the same. You're listening to Making It with John Davids. Hey guys, John Davids here. I'm going to take you through today the numbers that you need to know if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to run a business. These are the numbers you need to know in order to run your business well. Now, this is really important. And I'll let you guys in on a little secret. I actually am not very good at math. I didn't do well in math. In fact, I once had a high school guidance counselor say to me that if I don't get better at math, I'm never going to succeed in business, which at the time, I took it very seriously. I don't take it so seriously now because I've done just fine. That's a story for a different day, though. But what I will tell you is that math really matters. You've heard people on this podcast like Michael Hyatt and John Ruffalo, investors and successful entrepreneurs will always tell me when they look at companies they're going to invest in, the entrepreneurs, the founders need to know their numbers. It's so important because you're not going to give money to somebody who doesn't understand how money works. And math is what you need to know to really understand it. So I'm going to start off here. I'm going to give you seven numbers that you need to know as an entrepreneur. And the good news is that a lot of these numbers build on themselves. So as you start to understand them, the later numbers will make even more sense. They almost get fancier and more complex, but the foundation stays the same. So the first number we're going to want to understand is unit economics. Unit economics are the basic numbers that go into the transaction that you're selling. So think about your basic numbers. What does it cost me to produce this product that I'm selling? How much am I selling it for? And what's the profit or what's the difference? And I hope that difference is a profit. Very simple math. If it costs, if I'm selling it for $100 and it costs me $30 to make, that means I'm making a profit of $70. Now, why are unit economics so important? Because you need to make sure that what you're doing is profitable. And you would be amazed how many entrepreneurs skip this step. It's like, hey, I'm going to sell this. I'm going to charge this. Well, what's it costing you to make it? Well, I don't know. Well, are you going to make a profit if you sell it at that price? I'm not sure. Well, you've got to know your unit economics. Otherwise, it's not even worth doing as a business. If it's going to cost you $100 and you're selling it for 80 bucks, why would you do it? You're losing money on every transaction. It's funny. Some people look at startups that are burning through cash. They say, yeah, it's crazy. These guys raised $10 million, but they lost $12 million last year. You have to dig one level deeper and say, how are they losing that money? And there's a really good chance, unless they're total idiots, there's a really good chance that the unit economics of what they're selling are actually fine. They're selling a product for 100 bucks, and it's costing them 10 or 15 or 20 bucks to produce. The reason they lose money as a company is because overall, the overhead is, is a lot. They have a lot of salespeople. They have a lot of customer service people. They have a lot of support staff. They have a lot of real estate. They have a lot of insurance and other costs. And that's why their costs are so ballooned. But the unit economics must make sense. If you see a company that is selling something 
for less money than it costs to produce it, that's called a subsidy. And the company is subsidizing. Sometimes they do it just to steal market share. Okay, you're renting your market share at that point because you're actually just paying people to use your product. You got to make sure that your unit economics make sense. Okay, the next number we're going to look at, months of liquidity. Once you get your business up and running, what I want to know is what are your months of liquidity? What's that number? So months of liquidity basically means it answers the question, how long will your business last if sales came to a halt today? How long will your business last if sales came to a halt today? Which can happen. You have down months, you have better months, but we want to know how secure your business is. How do you figure this out? Really simple. Months of liquidity is all the cash you have in the bank plus all of your accounts receivable, money that you're going to get in in the next 30 or 60 or 90 days. And I like to throw in unbilled contracts. So contracts that I have not yet performed on yet, so therefore the money's not yet an accounts receivable, but I know that money's there. I just need to execute the work. Now, a couple caveats here. If your contracts are cancelable and a client can just come in and cancel them, maybe you don't want to include that or maybe you want to discount that number. Another thing is maybe you have marketable securities. So if you put short-term money into stocks or treasuries or money market funds or bonds, you might want to count that also. It's kind of the same as cash for the sake of this calculation. So you've got those numbers. Put that number on one side. On the other side, we look at what is your monthly burn? How much money do you spend a month on overhead? That's things like, again, your rent, your labor costs, your insurance. What does it cost every month for you to stay in business? You then put the first number, your liquidity is the numerator, the top number, and then your monthly burn is the denominator, the bottom number. You do the math and you come up with your months of liquidity. This is how many months you could go if sales came to a halt. Simple calculation. Let's say you had $5,000 of cash in the bank, you had another $3,000 of accounts receivable, and you had another $2,000 of unbilled contracts, $10,000 total, and you are spending 1000 bucks a month on burn. That means you have exactly 10 months of liquidity in the bank. You got 10 months if, if sales came to a halt today. This is a number that I watch out for with any business I own and any company in my portfolio. I want to know their months of liquidity because things can change fast. I want to know that they're preparing for the future. Okay, the next number we're going to look at is gross margin. So going back to that unit economics example I talked about a second ago, gross margin looks at the cost of goods sold, or COGS, as we say, and then the revenue. So what are the direct costs to produce an item that you're selling or to provide that service, and how much are you selling it for? If you're selling something for 100 bucks and it's costing you $25 to make, your gross, the number, your, your gross profit in that case is $75. Your gross margin is 75%. Really simple math there. The reason gross margin is so important is because it goes back to that unit economics number I told you about a second ago. You want to make sure that you have a gross margin that actually has enough in it that you can spend on other things because the gross margin is just how much you have. You still have other costs we'll get to in a second, but you have other costs that you've got to calculate as well you need to make sure you have enough margin there to pay for everything else. So I, I like myself gross margins in the range of 75 or 80%. I can do that because I'm mostly in the digital and information business, virtual goods, 
digital goods, services. So you can have nice high gross margins in the 80% range. If you're selling physical goods, you might have gross margins of 70 or 65% or so. As soon as your gross margins get much lower than that, I find the business just gets really hard to run. I don't like those businesses. They exist. You can have businesses with gross margins in, in the 30 or 40% range. That's just not my ballgame, but it exists. Understand your gross margins and understand if they work in your business. Moving on to net margins. So as an expansion of gross margins, you understand what does it cost to make my product? How much am I selling it for? But then you have other costs as well. You've got things that are unrelated. You've got to pay things like rent. You've got to pay insurance. You've got to pay maybe an assistant. You've got to pay for someone to clean your office. You've got to pay for equipment. These are all costs that are outside of actually producing a product. Those go into net margin. So essentially, on the company level, what you're looking at is you've got all the money you bring in, you've got your direct costs, your COGS, and then you've got all the other costs. And once you do the math on all of that, you're left with your net margin. So you might have an 80% gross margin, but a net margin of just 25% at the end of the month or at the end of the year when you do the math, you're left with that number as your net margin. That's a really important number because that's effectively the number that's going back into shareholders' pockets. That's your profit. That's the bottom line. One more point I'll make about this, which is really important. A lot of people don't understand how important it is to try to get that net margin number up as much as you can. And every percentage point makes a difference. Think about it like this. If you've got net margin of 15%, and you can crank that up to 20%, you might say, well, John, that's just that's just 5%. Does that mean anything? Absolutely, it means a lot. It's actually not 5%. It's 25%, right? Because 15% is your whole pie. 15% is like 100% of your profit, right? And then if you can get that up to 20%, then you've actually cranked your profit from 100% up to 125%. Right, because 5% is 25% in this equation of the 15. So think about it like that. I'll give you another example. If you can take your net margin from 15% to 30%, you have now doubled your take-home pay as the shareholder. As an investor in that business, the profit on you know last year was a hundred thousand. If I can crank it up, you know, in this case from 15% to 30%, I can actually change it from a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand. I just doubled my profit. So every percentage point when it comes to net margin makes a big difference. Remember that. Okay, the next number I look at is revenue per sales rep. Now, this works really well if you're running an enterprise business where you have lots of sales reps making calls, selling to clients. It's a little different if you have different sales channels. So if you're in a business where your primary means of bringing in new clients is, let's say, advertising, billboards, Facebook ads, partner channels, the math is going to be a little different. But just let me give you the example with revenue per sales rep. If I'm paying a sales rep $50,000 a year base salary, and that sales rep brings in $200,000 a year of revenue, that means $50,000 invested, $200,000 back to me. That's a really important number to know because it helps you make investment decisions going forward. If I know that every dollar I put into sales yields me $4 in return, 
I'm going to keep putting money in there. Not only that, maybe I want to go to the bank and borrow some money so I can invest more in sales. Maybe I want to bring on an, an investor. Maybe I want to get my friends and family to invest with me because I know, hey, guys, every time I put a dollar in here, I make $4 back. How do you know that? Revenue per sales rep. And you've got to make sure you, you do some rigorous analysis. Don't just make an assumption on day one. You got to hire one, two, three, four, five sales reps. Watch that number progress over months and quarters and a year or two and make sure it's consistent. And make sure you can grow that number also. Maybe you can give them better software, better tools, better training, better Rolodex to get that number up. Revenue per sales rep, really, really important. Okay. Let's get into some fancier numbers here. So the next two are going to be fancy numbers that are going to impress your accountant. They're going to impress investors, and they're going to give you a really good sense of how your company's doing. So the next number is current ratio. Current ratio is a fancier way of looking at the months of liquidity calculation. So months of liquidity is a poor man's way of understanding current ratio. Current ratio is when you divide all your current assets by your current liability. So if you look at your balance sheet, what are your current assets? Well, it's cash in the bank, it's accounts receivable, it's any marketable securities, stocks, treasuries, money market funds that I have, all the cash that I have effectively or that I'm going to have in the next 90 days. Liabilities are the exact opposite. It's money that I owe. So money that I have to pay other people my staff, my landlord, my vendors, other people. When you calculate your current ratio, you're going to get a number that's either less than one or more than one. Less than one means that your assets are not sufficient to pay for your liabilities. That's a bad number. You don't ever want your current ratio to be less than one because what it means effectively is that you're not going to be able to pay your bills in the next 90 days. That's a really important thing to understand. And if it's above one, if it's 1.2 or 1.5 or maybe even 1.8, it means that you have a lot more current assets than current liabilities, and that's a very good place to be. Now, if you want to be really um, sophisticated about this, you can actually say you don't want that number to be too high because if your current assets are way in excess of current liabilities, it actually might mean that you're not using your cash well enough. You might want to invest more in your business or just pay it out as a dividend to your shareholders because you don't need that money in your company, right? If I've got a million dollars in the bank and I only owe, let's say, $30,000 a month, well, unless I'm going to spend that money better invested in my business, why is it just sitting in the bank? I may as well pay it back to shareholders or reinvest it somehow. So that's current ratio. Again, you can understand the same type of number with the months of liquidity calculation, But this is the real way of doing it if you're going to look at the balance sheet. The final number is probably the most important one. It's the mother of all numbers when it comes to businesses, and that is return on equity. Return on equity is what any investor needs to know if they're going to make the decision on whether or not to invest in your company. Return on equity basically means if I put a dollar into this company today, how much money are you going to give me back in return? Now, if you're in the early stages and you're still not making money and you're just starting up, return on equity is totally irrelevant to you. But if you actually have a business that's a few years old, it's making money, maybe you want to go to the next level, you want to bring on investors, return on equity is really important because it lets you go to investors and say, listen, I've got $100,000 in shareholder equity. And look, my annual profit is like 
30 or 40 or $50,000. That's awesome. Investors have $100,000 in here and I'm yielding $50,000 a year in profit. That means it's a 50% return on equity, which would be very, very high, but you can do it and, and that, that'd be awesome. So to get the return on equity number, you want to divide profit, which is a profit and loss statement number. You'll find profit on your profit and loss statement or your income statement by shareholder equity. And shareholder equity, you'll find on your balance sheet. So shareholder equity, again, how much money do shareholders have in the company? How much cash is in there that belongs to your shareholders? And you divide that by how much money you're making every year. And that tells you what the return on equity is. Really important if you're going to grow as a business. Okay, let's do a quick recap here. We've got unit economics, months of liquidity, gross margin, net margin, revenue per sales rep, current ratio, and return on equity. You understand those numbers, and I can tell you, you will know your numbers. And these are the numbers to know. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at RealJohnDavids, R-E-A-L-J-O-N-D-A-V-I-D-S. Let me know what you think about the podcast. I want to know what episodes you like, what information you want more of, what guests you like. Let me know and you can use hashtag making it. And of course, give us a rating or review on Apple or Spotify. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys next time.